Coming up on Stu Does America, the South is starting to see some of the coronavirus damage that the Northeast has been through. But what's the truth? Also, if you need me, I'll be on my knees thanking God we don't have Andrew Cuomo in charge down here. And Glenn Beck joins the program to preview how we can overcome the mobs and their desire to erase our history. The battle against the YouTube Algobots rages on. Do your part by subscribing to our channel, engaging in our comments, and liking our videos. You can do it right now if you want. Service guarantees citizenship. Just click like. And don't miss a minute of our programming with a Blaze TV subscription. Just go to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and I'll take 10 bucks off. Before we start, another fat guy food review. This time the brownie batter shake from Sonic. It's hard to explain how good this is. There's so much brownie batter. It's like uh, crystallized inside of the shake. It's delicious. If you happen to be in the area with a Sonic, get one. I give it a solid A. And some advice, uh, drink it after you leave the beach this weekend or all of your friends are going to think you're eight months pregnant. Stu does America. So it's the end of June, and I thought it'd be a good chance to check in with our good old buddy, the coronavirus. I was a little worried for a while there because at first it seemed like he was going to be around forever, and then he just disappeared. Remember that? What they're demanding, demanding to infect other people, demanding to make other people sick. It's dangerous, and these people can take this home with them and hurt their families and all the rest. I'd like to ask them if they're willing to sign away their right to treatment if and when they get infected. Who the hell do you think you are? I don't understand what is wrong with people. Stay at home. I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it, is not, uh, it is not, generally speaking, unruly. That ain't a riot, what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. Excuse me, any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property, but these are not reasonable times. And please, Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. The beautiful thing is we're seeing citizens who are caring and concerned. They're hitting the streets. Heartwarming to see so many people turn out peacefully. Mm. Black lives matter. But apparently the media's credibility does not. So when you hear states like Texas and Florida are unmitigated disasters, what are you supposed to believe? Let's spend some time going through the current situation and setting the table for your holiday weekend where you can spend your time drowning all this knowledge under a case of good old watered-down American beer. It's actually 2020, so how about mango white claw? Sounds about appropriate at this point. Let's start with the overall situation and pick apart what the media and Twitter are saying about it. For example, this headline, we see a new record, we set a new record in the coronavirus cases. Then the response from Twitter, the situation is much worse than late April. Look, yes, we're setting all sorts of new uh, records on cases, but we're testing three times as many people as we were then. As of this moment, at least, it's not nearly as serious a situation as it was in late April. Um, If it was, we would be seeing about three times as many cases as we have now. This can change quickly, of course. Although with that same headline, we set a new record in COVID cases, you get this from Twitter. There's no real increase. Testing is just higher. It's going a little too far, unfortunately. This was basically true about three weeks ago, but it is changing. It's not just a raw increase in tests anymore. For example, in Texas, since the beginning of the month, testing is up about 70%. But in that same time frame, cases are up 343%. Hospitalizations are up 272%. And deaths are up 61% from the bottom. 
the easy way to track this is the test positivity rate. Um, you know, we've talked about it before. It's, you know, if it's just testing, the rate should remain about the same. But after it hit about a low of 4.7% in Texas, it's climbed all the way up to over 14% today. That's not good. It's not good. And it's even worse in other states like Arizona. A lot of people have pointed out that uh, the cases are rising and the deaths are not. So it must be some sort of quirk in the data. It's possible, but it's too early to tell. Here's what the charts look like. Uh, right now, here's confirmed cases for the whole country. We had, of course, our big initial peak in April and into May. We had a kind of a slowdown. It looked like we had it under control as we entered into June. And then it skyrocketed lately back to record levels. Here are hospitalizations. Now you see basically the same pattern. Uh, you have the initial rise, the slow drop down as we get it under control. And at the end, you can kind of see a little bit of a northward turn, just a little bit. Now here's deaths. Uh, same pattern again. Big rise initially, slow decline, and there it just stops. Now, does that prove that this batch of cases is not leading to the same amount of deaths? There's some hope. That's what it means. Those testing positive are skewing younger. And if that holds up, it should keep the death toll, uh, the death, death toll lower, at least for now. Or even better, it could be that the virus has weakened somehow. But on a national scale, you have the continued drops from the cataclysmic northeast, which are canceling out some of the increases in the south. The truth, though, is it's too early to know. Allow me pre to present to you, you're going to love this, the official coronavirus holiday schedule. It's the average way disease, this disease progresses. And, you know, look, remember this when you're reading your graphs this weekend, as if that's something you're actually going to do in your spare time. First, on day one, you have Infection Day, the day that you actually get the virus but still have no idea that it happened. Then comes Symptoms Day. That's about day seven, which leads you to get a test, and you get the test back on Positive Test Day, which is about day 10. Next up is Hospital Day. That comes on day 19, and finally, it's Death Day. Every day is death day in this country lately. Happy death day, everyone. That's day 26. But that's the thing. Cases didn't really start shooting up until mid-June, meaning we're only about two weeks in. We probably won't be getting an uptick in deaths for at least a couple of weeks. Now, I know this feels like the contractors from the documentary The Money Pit, starring Tom Hanks and Shelley Long, when they kept saying the finished repairs were always a couple weeks away. But that's not my fault. That's the media's fault. They suck. They suck badly. Just because they're telling you dumb, scaremongering nonsense doesn't change our holiday calendar. And honestly, when you take those three graphs we looked at and we kind of slide them together, we slide their timelines over a little bit and place them on top of each other, you can kind of see what I'm talking about. On the right side of this chart, you will see the cases have jumped the most, hospitalizations are trailing behind, and deaths are yet to rise. I can't believe they made this line for deaths the color black. Racism. Oh, my gosh. Right here in our own studio. The bottom line here is that this, this situation is a little worrisome, I would say. There are uh, cases that are rising faster than they should be. And if we don't stop it soon, it could spiral out of control. I hate to bring you bad news, but it could happen. Hospitalizations are increasing as well, but I'm not all that worried about that one. The CDC was the cause of a lot of the early hospital scaremongering. And while it could be a localized problem in certain places, if we didn't prepare in the last freaking four months to get a few beds ready, I just give up. I just we're just going to call this uh, the United States of coronavirus and we're all just going to give up because if we couldn't freaking prepare in four months for some beds, 
It's just time to pull the plug on the country. And, you know, look, what, what better weekend than Independence Day? Next headline you might have seen, the CDC estimates there have been 10 times as many cases uh, than official numbers. The Twitter take, this is worse than we thought. Well, no, not at all. Actually, we'd like that number to be higher. It means a lower mortality rate and more people that are immune. But that same headline is being misused the other way, too. CDC estimates that there have been 10 times as many COVID cases than official numbers. Over on Twitter, you get the, this proves COVID is nothing to worry about. Well, actually, they're only saying about 7% of the nation has had COVID, which is frustratingly low, honestly. It would make the COVID infection mortality rate, basically your chance of dying if you get it, a minimum of 0.55 and perhaps as high as 0.87. For comparisons, the swine flu IFR was 0.02. The normal flu can get up to 0.05-ish, but that's just one eleventh of COVID so far. Remember, there's a difference between CFR and IFR, and I would explain it again, except I will have zero viewers left if I do so. An MIT study just came out that said the worldwide mortality rate is 0.68. There are some estimates above this and below this, but this is pretty typical. It's about in this range. So there are a couple of things to take from all these numbers and decimal points. Number one, we are nowhere near herd immunity. Nowhere near it. There are tons of available bodies to still get this, and that sucks. And number two, stop hoping for herd immunity. Whenever you hear the words herd immunity, you should substitute the words worst case scenario. That's what herd immunity is unless we get a vaccine. If two thirds of this country wind up getting this thing, yeah, we'll hit herd immunity. We're talking about seven figures dead and there's no reason we can't do better than that. Plus, even if we get there, people still get sick when you reach herd immunity. It doesn't mean everyone's all of a sudden well. They still get sick. They still go to the hospital. They still die. It just means the virus won't spread as easily and will eventually burn out. Well, screw that. This is America. Somebody make a magic immunity potion and have it taste like a milkshake. That's what I demand. Okay, how about this headline? States facing outbreak consider closing businesses. What does Twitter say? We must lock down or everyone will die. Uh, Not this again. Actually, people stayed home before government restrictions kicked in. They exited before they expired. People are leading the government, not the other way around. I feel like this whole experience has been a visit to bizarro world. We spent months and months arguing about whether the government should shut the economy down or whether they'd open it up, when generally people didn't care what the government was saying. In every single state, repeat, in every single state, People reached the peak of their quarantine before the government told them they had to stay home in every single state. And they also started coming out of quarantine before those stay-at-home orders were lifted. And guess what? Now that the virus numbers are picking up again, people are staying home again, even though there haven't been any widespread stay-at-home orders. This argument was silly two months ago. It's virtually insane now. Back in March, the shutdown was the result of us flying completely blind. We had no idea how many people had the disease and where they were. We had no testing. Now we do. A nationwide shutdown would only occur if we were a country filled with Manhattans. And at that point, most people would be begging for a shutdown. What we're talking about now is how to best keep the economy open while protecting the most people possible until we're able to get a treatment or a vaccine. That does not mean... Shutting down until we have a vaccine, that's dumb. It means keeping our distance, staying outdoors when we can, and yes, wearing a mask when appropriate. More on that in a minute. We don't need to live in a bubble. 
but maybe we skip any upcoming clown car routines that we had planned. I don't know. We were talking about Sweden a while ago, and that's the kind of thing we're talking about now. I don't think this should come from the government, but it should come from us. Because I can't deal with another shutdown. I can't. I can't do it. No more shutdowns. I want my restaurants. And as a patriotic and fat American, I will do whatever I can to keep them. Right on time. Right on time. That's what happened this month. Black Rifle Coffee arrived at the house right on time. Black Rifle Coffee always arrives right on time because I'm a member of the Black Rifle Coffee Club. So it's always in the house. We never run out of it. And it's the best coffee you're going to have. Why? Well, it's a veteran owned and operated premium small batch roast to order coffee company for people who freaking love America. Okay, that's what they're there for. They import only the highest quality beans from around the world and they always roast their order Uh, roast to order their coffees for you after you place an order to ensure that you receive the freshest coffee available. And when you order it, it just comes. It's always there. You don't ever run out. It's always there. The Black Rifle Coffee Club. you got to join this thing. They develop their great roasts profiles with the same mission focus they learned as military members serving this great country. All Black Rifle Coffee Company blends are available in whole bean and ground varieties. And they also have many roasts available for purchase in the single serve coffee rounds. That's what we get because we're, you know, we're lazy. We want it to be easy. Uh, so we get those. The best way to enjoy this uh, uh, great coffee is the Black Rifle Coffee Club because it will always show up on time and you'll never run out of it. That's what you get. Plus, you get a special discounted price, too, which is fantastic. Shipped free directly to your home or office every month. If you're going back into the office, now's time to get this thing started. Make your office time happy time with Black Rifle Coffee Club. Wake up to America's coffee by going to blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. Make sure to enter the discount code stew to receive 20% off your first order of any coffee products. And because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Black Rifle Coffee Club at blackriflecoffee.com slash stew. Promo code is stew. Something big is about to go down, um, which don't worry, it's not like your local target's about to be burned to the ground. I know that's what you might be thinking. It's a kind of a potentially horrific statement in 2020 to make. Luckily, this particular event is going to help steer the ship away from the apocalypse hmm. and into the realm of hope. Tomorrow, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, live on YouTube and the Blaze TV from Standing Rock Ranch in Idaho, Glenn Beck will be hosting Restoring Hope. Glenn joins us now. Hey, Glenn, how are you? Good. How are you, Stu? Good. Uh, so let's take people to this from the beginning. You just tuned in. You never heard of Restoring Hope. You have no idea what you're going to get. What are you going to get? Uh, you're going to get um, a history lesson, putting history in its right, proper place. You're going to learn things that you've never probably knew before. Um, you're going to hear the history from African-Americans uh, on the truth about slavery, what happened, what's happening now, how it's being used. Uh, then you're you're also going to get um, some really amazing performances from a few of my friends uh, <laughs> that uh, you'll just see tomorrow uh, and uh, a plan of action for us as a nation. I think it is uh, I think it is a very important show uh, tomorrow. I think it's one of the more important shows that I think I've ever done um, because of the significance if we take it seriously. I want to go into the history and everything that you're trying to do there. But first, like, 
how are you pulling this off in the middle of a pandemic in a ranch in the middle of nowhere? How is this happening? Yeah, it's not the easiest (laughs) of things. Um, We have had to uh, we have had to just get all of the farmers and the neighbors involved in helping me with some some things. Uh, We have we've had the sheriff's department blocking off roads and things when, (laughs) you know, we've had uh, we've had large groups coming in and trying to keep distance from everybody has not been the easiest thing. But it's it's been miraculous, really, truly miraculous. Uh, Do all your neighbors hate you at this point for inconveniencing them and throwing them out of their lives? I haven't asked, but I'm guessing yes. Yeah. It's usually the way it works in these situations. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, yeah. you know, talking about, you know, this, the news that we talk about every day, you definitely have a focus right now on trying to make sure history is set right. That we, That's a big part of this. I think the tearing down the statues is a is a I don't know, it's symbolic in the way that it's, you know, it's vandalism and it's destruction of property and all these things. But it's also making sure that the history is gone so that they can recreate and imp- put in place whatever they want uh, instead of, of telling the real stories from history. Losing that foundation is an important part of this, I think, for the left. Yeah, um, it is something that is really well orchestrated tonight on uh, television. We're taking apart 1619. And I I just want to read the goal of the 1619 Mm. project. Um, The goal of the 16. This is their words, not mine. The goal of the 1619 project is to reframe American history by considering what it would mean to regard 1619 as our nation's birth year. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But it's not our nation's birth year. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if you know that. Mm. That's why we broke away from England was because we didn't like the things we were doing in 1619. Um, and the whole thing is framed on what would you say if I told you? <laughs> well, I would probably say that's not what happened. Mm. But I appreciate this mental exercise next year. <laughs> Random House has they've already had the 1619 Project uh, podcast. Random House is coming out with a series of books based on the 1619 Project. The New York Times has has um, uh, partnered with the Pulitzer Center to um, put a curriculum together. It is already in 50 states. Uh, it is uh, in thousands of schools right now where they are taking our 1776 history apart, apart and saying it doesn't matter what happened in 16, uh, 1776. What matters is happened in 1619. Mm, that's amazing. I, you know, all the stuff I've heard about the 1619 project, I thought they were making the case that this was when the country started. But they're actually just saying, like, hey, if it had started then, we'd look at our history differently, and maybe that's what we should be doing. That's a totally different Well, they're lens. leading you, right, they're, they're leading you to believe uh, it's, it's, it's Morpheus with the two pills. No. You know, you could look at it this way, you could look at it this way, it's your choice. Um, and people are anxious to look at it in a different way. But when you do, what's crazy, Stu, is this is exactly what was happening in the 1850s. And we were saved by this last time because of Bradford's diary. Um, Bradford was the head of the colony and everything else. Well, his diary had been 
uh, either destroyed or taken by the British during the uh, American Revolution. And we didn't know. So we didn't have the first account from uh, Bradford, the head of the colony. We didn't we didn't we had other diaries. We had other people telling us, but we didn't have his. Well, in about 1853, I think somebody was going through some old archives in England and it was in a church and they found this old book and they realized that that was Bradford's diary. Hmm. So they didn't give it to America. They just set it to print and they sent it to America so we could have a copy of it. Well, that's what stopped this in the 1850s, because we were saying half of the country was saying, no, we were founded in 1619. Guess which ones those were the really bad guys. And the others were saying, no, it was the pilgrims that we that gave us this birth and heritage. And if you look, the heritage from the pilgrims is the answer to the cancer of 1619 hmm. you know and it's such a uh, such a well-resourced effort i mean the 1619 if you don't know i mean it's the new york times put it together but it's blown up into all of these other things it seems to be their new almost like howard zinn effort to rewrite history and i think oh, a, yeah. a, a lot of people look at that and say okay well they're trying to you know uh, beat donald trump they're trying to have joe biden become president um, surely no. they want donald trump to be out of office but that's a that's a much shorter term sort of goal than they're thinking this is a much bigger movement yeah this is to destroy and you you want to talk about funding guess where the money came from <laughs> I, I have a guess um, uh, it begins yeah, and ends with an s <laughs> you do yeah yes uh she and in, in uh, the woman who started this in 2008 uh received a fellowship from the institute for advanced journalism studies where she traveled to cuba to do research on uh, Cuba's amazing universal health care and universal education. Um, and she wrote uh, an article that was published, The Cuba We Don't Know, which in which she blamed the United States for all of the problems in uh, Cuba. Um, and she said, Cuba's universal health care system is seen by many as a world model. I don't know where she uh, gets that. Um, but she says the Fidel Castro regime led to the end of racism and brought universal education and access to jobs to black Cubans. Um, Cuba is not the great evil that we were led to believe. She's a Marxist and she believes in all of these things. So her goal is to destroy the United States of America. And she's doing it. She she was quoted last week as saying, if American cities burning and po people setting police stations and restaurants on fire all uh, happened because of my 1619 project. I am happy to take that title. <laughs> wow. And that's wow. recent because, you know, they, they uh, that is the, the goal here, right? The goal is to upend the entire country and the foundation it was built on. And that's not, you know, our us saying that. It's it's something that they've admitted. If you go back in her history in particular, you could find, you know, she wrote very terrible things about white people and very racist, almost genocidal sounding things um, when she was in college. Um, but 
like this is something that's extended throughout her entire life's work. Uh, and when you oh, yeah. when you call her out on what she wrote years ago, she'll say, oh, come on, that was years ago. Well, what you just said is essentially a call to arms. I mean, this is uh, overturning the, the society as we know it and, and trying to do it with a with a sheen of academia so that it can become respectable. Uh, burning down a target the isn't something people is- to aspire to. But I mean, it, when you do it this way, people look up to it almost. Yeah, the problem is, is that academia, especially black academia, but also liberal academia, have looked at her research and said, this is nonsense. This is garbage. Um, And a lot of big names, both left and right, white and black, are calling her out. But that doesn't seem to matter to The New York Times and uh, to Random House and everybody else who's working on this curriculum for schools. Um, now, you mentioned black academia. Would you um, support a movement that would name it blackademia? Um, is Black Lives Matter involved? I don't know. Because <laughs> I like at... blackademia. Yeah, I like that. Black that academia. sounds pretty cool. I like it. It, it sounds like a nut yeah, a little bit too much. I, I kind of want to. It sounds like a snack. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, it does. Uh, one, more th- one more before, uh, before I let you go. Uh, it's almost if you seem to have planned this which these two shows this week work really well together, uh, where you have... Isn't that weird? It <laughs> is really weird. Yeah. You, you almost have the it's problem really and the weird. solution back to back. Is, yeah. is that how you put that well, together? We, yes, we dismantle the fake history, and then we show you the real history. We have uh, segments that are coming from uh, Plymouth. We then go to uh, New York City. Then we take you to Independence Hall in Philadelphia, then to Gettysburg. Uh, and we kind of follow the sun on Thursday nights and uh, on Thursday night. And uh, we will give you the true history of our of our nation and then some action plans. And and it's it's as I said earlier, it, I think it's one of the more important shows. And I don't know who's going to watch it. I don't know if anybody's going to watch it, <laughs> but somebody this show is made for and uh it's very important very important yeah these are must watches especially you know july 4th weekend and also you know i have young kids this sort of history is going to be popping through their life through school if you have young kids if you just want to know the country uh the the true way it was developed and you know if you want to fight back against all the stuff that's going on right now these are two great ways to get your foundation uh glenn beck of course glenn beck program he's got some radio show i believe he's on as well I'm not sure if all the details on that uh but it's tonight uh, right after this program make sure you watch it and then uh as well on uh, th- uh thursday 8 p.m on blaze tv and youtube uh, from the standing rock ranch glenn thanks for being on the program thank you Stu. all right and you can subscribe to blaze tv at blaze tv.com slash stew use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks off your subscription back in a second okay let's talk masks a little bit i i it's become this big cultural thing the mask i will say this What people are underrating is the uh, point that when you wear a mask into a grocery store, nobody talks to you. You never have to have a conversation with anybody. It's like you just kind of point at the mask and then you just walk right by. That's why I like masks. I'm going to continue wearing a mask after we have a vaccine, after there's a cure. In fact, I don't care if no one is getting sick. I'm going to wear a mask anyway just because I don't want to talk to anybody. That's me. I know I'm weird. But as far as the mask thing goes, it is an interesting thing to see develop. And I am worried a little bit about how reactionary at times uh, we are on the right. 
Um, and when I say reactionary, I mean we essentially allow the left to define our positions. Too often, we're, we're, it's, it's a constant defensive position, and I can't stand it. The mask thing is really frustrating on this front because we were blatantly in the right on this. You know, back in the beginning of this in March, uh, the CDC is saying, oh, masks, uh, you guys, what are you talking about? Why would you wear a mask? That's crazy. You guys are being insane if you buy masks. And the left was saying, yeah, listen to the CDC. We blindly listen to every authority figure, no matter what they say. And we were like, hey, wait a minute, guys. Like, why do surgeons wear masks if they don't work? Like, don't they do something? Like, what's the point of wearing them then if, if they don't do anything? And we kept saying that. And I remember Glenn going on rant after rant about that. And we were talking about it on the radio. And a lot of conservatives were talking about how masks could be this kind of in-between line. Because remember, back then, we're talking about closing down the economy. What if everyone wears masks instead when you go out in public? Will that help enough so we don't have to close down the economy? That would be a great way of doing it. And the left was like, that's crazy. You want to kill grandma. Fast forward a few weeks. And then the CDC says, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, the masks are really important. You need to wear them. Of course they work. Now that we have them, of course they work. What are you, crazy? I don't remember saying anything about that. And then the left, of course, flip-flops on it. And instead of us just saying, hey, yeah, we were right the entire time, and now we're going to wear masks and we're going to be able to open up this economy a little bit faster, we seemingly switched sides and said, now masks are dumb and they don't work. Which I don't understand, frankly. Uh, again, we know this is spread by droplets. It's blatantly obvious a mask will stop droplets. Again, it doesn't stop every bit of it. It doesn't stop. If you're wearing a mask and someone else is in the room and they sneeze in your face, that's probably not going to save you. It's more of something you're doing the opposite way. If you think about it this way, like, uh, you know, masks are essentially like it's become this bizarre sign of weakness. Like, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm too tough. I'm too tough. I can beat coronavirus without a mask. Well, it's not about you, right? It's, it's more, think of it more of as a charitable uh, thing to do. You're doing it because if you talk loudly, if you sneeze, if something happens and you let some little droplets float throughout the sky and you happen to have COVID, remember, you don't know it for six days. So, you know, that protects other people. It's not about you. It's about other people. And if everyone does it, then we, there is gonna, it is going to cut it down. Look, there are some studies that support this. We can get into it. But I want to go to the politics first of it, which I think is interesting. You've noticed, a, I think, a, a change in tone on masks over the past couple of days. As, as the cases get worse, we discussed this earlier on the show, you're seeing allies of the president come out and talk about masks in a much more positive way. And I don't know if the politics are changing or if they're realizing, hey, we well, don't want to get back to a shutdown situation. Let's get some people on board with the masks. Uh, here's Sean Hannity talking about it. Look, anecdotally, I was in the epicenter of this. I went to my grocery store every week. Uh, guess what? They wore masks. Nobody at my grocery store, thank God, got coronavirus. I think they work. And I said, especially if I wear a mask and it opens up baseball, concerts, NFL football. Yes. I'd rather wear the mask and go to the game to protect grandma, grandpa, mom and dad and watch the ball game. Amen, Sean. Yes. Open up the fields. I want my sports back. Uh, here's uh, someone else who is, is he's got some ties to the White House. His name is Donald Trump, Jr., I don't think that it's too complicated to wear a mask or wash your hands and follow basic hygiene protocols. And I think we're just going to do whatever we can to make sure that the people that are there in attendance, as well as the people from the RNC and the campaign are safe, enjoyable and have an awesome time. 
Look, you might not like the mask thing. Uh, you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Uh, maybe you have a condition in which you can't wear a mask. I know that's not true, but I know that's what you're telling people. No, I'm not kidding. Maybe you do have that. I'm just saying, if it's easy for you to do it, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. But, it, you know, I don't think the government should be stepping in and, and, and enforcing that and, and forcing it as a, a requirement. I think that's dumb, as we've showed earlier in the show. It doesn't really affect what people do anyway. Um, if a private you know, grocery store wants to say, you don't come in here unless you have a mask on. Totally fine with that. That is their their right. They can do that if they want. Um, but I don't think the government should be doing it um, to give you a quick uh, look at the science here. And I know a lot of people don't think these things work and they don't work with with complete uh, effectiveness. Um, but they do seem to be one of the more effective um, uh, things you can do. There was a, a, a breakout that happened on the uh, USS Roosevelt, I believe it was. And they um, they were in think of this. Think of a military situation. You're on a boat, right? Like this is close quarters. Everyone's all over each other. Everyone's breathing. This is the worst case scenario where almost everybody is going to get coronavirus in this outbreak. They decided to study all the different uh, things they've been telling us to do and see which one was the most effective. Uh, let's show this chart here. This is uh, what it, how it came out. Physical distancing, avoiding gatherings, extra hand washing. I mean, extra hand washing is the blue bar here. It is just slightly below the yellow bar. Um, Really did almost nothing about, uh, you know, maybe a couple percent it helped out. Uh, physical distancing was a little bit more effective, maybe 15 percent drop. Same thing with avoiding gatherings. The most successful one was about 25 to 30 percent uh, improvement was mask wearing. Now, if you do all of those things in conjunction, you're coming, you're going you're to knock out a good chunk of your risk to, for coronavirus. That's that's not a bad thing. And again, this is obvious. We all understand this. You know, this is the thing that keeps coming back to. We can't just react to what they do. We can't just be on the other side of all the libs. That, that's not an effective strategy. You have, to, you, have to, you have to look at these things rationally. And I know that's what we do every day. And that's, I guess that's why you're here. I mean, it's certainly not for the looks of the host. I mean, it's, you know, again, he's eating too many. These fat guy food reviews, I just keep eating brownie shakes every day. I mean, this is not going to improve at any time soon. Um, but I, it is important to make sure that we're doing things not based on what just to oppose whatever the left is doing, because when they're flip-flop into our positions, we were right the entire time. Here's the, uh, here's the mask. This is the, uh, let me give you the, the gross droplet video of the day. Um, here's the guy talking. Let's just, let's roll this thing. Guy talking, it's in black, it's basically black video. And you'll see the droplets uh, light up when he now speaks. Recording. Stay healthy. You can see him kind of shooting around. Great. Stay healthy. Gross little droplets everywhere. Great. Less loud. Stay healthy. Okay, that one's not that loud because at first he starts loud. Now here is the with the with the mask on, and he speaks loudly. Are you recording? Yeah. Stay healthy. Louder. Stay healthy. See a drop or two. Stay healthy. Some of it's pretty loud, and again, you see almost no droplets with the mask on. Is this freaking, do we need a scientist to tell us this? There's a thing in front of his face. Of course it's, drop, it's stopping the droplets. We all know that. You know how many times you'd get coronavirus if you were in this studio? I'm spitting all over the place. If I wore a mask, you wouldn't get it probably. That doesn't mean it's a magical cure. But there is that rule and that line where we can hopefully do things that are maybe a little annoying, but not shutting down the economy. And be able to keep this thing under control so that when we do come up with a vaccine or a cure, we can kind of get this, this era of our life over with. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, it does seem like people are kind of getting on that bandwagon a little bit. We'll see what happens. Uh, we now know that uh, it looks like um, 
you know, uh, it looks like there's a, there's a little bit of a sea change when it comes to the politics of this. We'll keep following it. Uh, and this weekend, make sure if someone is trying to, uh, you know, uh, you know, get you into a clown car where everyone's going to get together and you're going to get like 5,000 cases of coronavirus together, try to avoid that if you can. That's all I'm saying. Stay outside. It seems, it seems like it's pretty clear outside. So do that, even though it's 100 degrees, and you'd rather get coronavirus than being outside in Texas for any period of time. Back in a second. Trying to sell your home is challenging. That's why you need Real Estate Agents I Trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go when you're going to buy or sell a home. You're thinking, I don't know, I want to go look at, I want to go look at some homes, but I want someone who knows the area. I want, to, I want someone who knows how to make my home look great. How to, maybe, you know how they, what do they call it, staging? You stage the home so it looks really nice. I like the idea of staging because you're basically saying, like, my home kind of looks like crap normally, but what if we made it look good for people who came to visit? And then they could, they could say, wow, I can, my house might look as good as this house does when I buy it. When in reality, your house looked like crap the entire time and you had your dirty clothes all over the floor most of the time you lived there. Uh, that's the sort of thing realestateagentsitrust.com can do for you. They can make your house look good even though it normally looks like crap. That's their slogan, actually. No, actually, that's not their slogan. Uh, realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Look, it's your most important financial transaction you'll probably ever make in your entire life. Wouldn't it be nice to do a little screening to find out, you know, what, what's going on? Wouldn't that be nice? Instead of just guessing at, you know, hey, I bumped into my, friends, uh, my friend who I used to go to the gym with, and, uh, and then his friend is a real estate agent. He just started. He's been on the job for a week. That sounds like the perfect guy to sell my, my hundreds of thousands of dollar home. Not a good idea. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a good idea. The name says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Today is a sad day, comrades. Take a swig of Mountain Dew from your wine satchel and adjust your balaclava. Take a seat on your parents' leather love seat. Mm-hmm. Because I've got some devastating news. The Chaz Utopia has fallen into enemy hands. The greedy, materialistic capitalists have robbed hundreds of frustrated undergrads. The story of a lifetime. But seriously, and I want to address the revolutionaries uh, who lived out their fantasies in Seattle. I mean, worst of all, yeah, sure, you murdered two people in two weeks, which makes you much worse than the Seattle police that you were supposedly dethroning. You gave Americans a picture of a utopian life, one that we were all so envious of. Love. Justice, peace, minus the shootings, freedom, you know, if the, the warlord guy wasn't around. I mean, you could drink Sprite from a ration and Ziploc bag. Isn't that a vision that is incredibly, wonderfully glorious and magnanimous, autonomous, and for the rest of us, hilarious? I, and for that, we mourn the loss of Chaz. Or is it Chop? Who cares anymore? Honestly, socialism is a lie and capitalism wins again. That's what happens in this country. As far as anyone uh, up in, in uh, 2020 can uh, deal with, at least, South Korea, though, is having a half-decent year. Their COVID numbers have remained pretty low. I mean, sure, their neighbors to the north are a little, you know, psychopathic. But even that situation actually seems like one of the more stable catastrophes right now. And now there's a story about a limited-edition Chex cereal that South Koreans have waited 16 years to taste. A Kellogg's spokesperson told Reuters... We never expected consumers would be interested in this product for over 16 years. Every time we launched new cereals or had promotional events, online communities 
would repeatedly ask for the flavor. I'm not sure if these online communities actually wanted this flavor or if they were just screwing with Kellogg's. Like, this seems like one of those campaigns that everyone, like, said. It's like the Bodie McBoatface campaign where everyone was like, oh, what's a real good name for the ship? Bodie McBoatface, right? The flavor is green onion. Green onion cereal. Could anyone actually want green onion cereal? Now, I know, I will say, some of the, some Asian restaurants do have uh, green tea ice cream, which is not the same, but it's also a very weird idea. And it's not incredibly awful. It's, I mean, it's not like I've ordered it before. I had to try it. Honestly, reading this story was a little confusing, uh, like a Mad Lib of a news story, because it doesn't make any sense. But the most shocking part is the fact that there's such a thing as green onion cereal at all. Cereal that smells and tastes like green onion, which people pour milk on and then eat, like intentionally. That sounds really terrible. For some reason, green onion cereal seems more dystopian to me than the fact that a 16-year-old campaign to get green onion cereal into markets is being considered a victory for democracy. I don't understand that part of it either, although it does give me hope for a sequel to the movie Parasite. Now look, green onion cereal, okay, is the type of thing, South Korea. You keep going down that road, I'm going to start rooting for North Korea, okay? I don't want to do it. I'm a South Korea fan. I don't want to root for North Korea. But you still, you start embracing green onion cereal. I'm going to be uh, hanging with Kim Jong-un. We're going to be watching basketball with Dennis Rodman. Whole thing. Green onion cereal, bad. Okay? Stay away from it. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and eating green onion flavored cereal? And then putting milk on it? You're almost going to put like sour cream on it. And then that would be a really bad breakfast. All right, I'm going to go throw up. I'll be back in a second. So why does this show exist? Why does it continue to go on after 90 plus episodes? I don't know. Because of you? Because of you going to iTunes and doing reviews and and clicking the like button on YouTube, which you could do right now and it would be great. Um, There are some new reviews in from iTunes. Let me give you a few. Uh, Just Swell. It's great. Whatever. Could use some more graphs and data sets, I guess. Yeah, that's a real problem on this show. Not enough graphs. Still wondering who sits in the chair with a TV head. Overall, a pretty swell show. Five freaking stars. Thank you so much. Uh, how about this one? Five freaking stars is the title. Why? Because, you know, that makes Stu happy. Anything less would make Stu sad or something. Just listen to this stupid show. Five freaking stars. Yes. Thank you very much. Next up. Uh, to be honest, I prefer the Lisa Page Made Me Do It podcast, but whatever, five freaking stars. Now, of course, they're talking about uh, Lisa Page, who is my lovely wife. She has her own podcast. Um, and actually, if you happen to uh, go over there, you can click and you could say it's great, whatever. It will bother her that she's getting all these reviews that say it's great, whatever. It'll make me laugh and that'll make my weekend fun. Um, and of course, a lot of people point out that I don't do all that much on social media. I like to do some wise-ass comments every once in a while, but I don't post, like, everything that I eat. If you want that, if you want every detail of my life, go to uh, Lisa Page Made Me Do It on Instagram, and she posts 9,000 times a day. So, basically, my entire life is on there. Every, every, every breath I take at night, she's taping me on my fo- on phone, and then it's posted. I don't know why you'd want to see that. I don't want to see it. I don't want her to do it. She knows I don't want her to do it, but you'll see it there every single day. 
So, at Lisa Page made me do it on Instagram if you want to check that out. By the way, uh, we were going through uh, a lot of people buying the Andrew Cuomo is awful t-shirts and mugs, and we really appreciate you doing that. And I said, oh, that's great. So is that our biggest seller? No, our biggest seller for the month, the Nancy Pelosi sucks pen. Still our biggest seller for the month. You can get it at stewdoesmerch.com.